Let's pray. Uh, Lord Jesus, uh, we come before you uh, this morning um, in awe of your mercy and grace and how it is even manifested in the life of Randy Travis. And Lord, we are reminded in your word that a bruised reed you will not break and a faintly burning wick you will not quench. Thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, last week, uh, one of the things that I didn't really raise, but I want to bring up this week is, and some of you were picking up on it, which is good. Uh, it's the good transition that I want to make, is that there's a double standard in the world, that the world expects you to follow all of the rules, and they will, they will bust your chops uh, if you don't. Uh, and yet at the same time, as individuals, uh, we all expect grace and mercy from the world when we do break the rules. And so uh, I think of it in terms often of the way that I drive. Um, I, I, I haven't asked this person's permission uh, to do this, but it it's, it's really makes me look bad. Um, I was uh, driving down Diaper Row and turned right to go up on to 280 North, and there was a car that was literally parked in the middle of the on-ramp. And so I laid on the horn. Now... <laughs> I wasn't in any particular hurry except that there's this place called Sammy's Sandwich Shop, not to be confused with the other Sammy's, Sammy's Sandwich Shop uh, over in Westlawn, and they have a really amazing cheeseburger, and nothing was going to stand between me and my cheeseburger. And I wasn't meeting anyone. I was just going by myself, uh, but I was wanted to get there. And so there was a car basically parked, so I laid on the horn, and later that afternoon I received an email that said, Dear Andrew, would you have honked as loudly if there had been an Advent sticker on my car? <laughs> And um, and it was someone that had slowed down just to get a look to see if it was me and wave and, and say hello. Uh, but I just thought, idiot, you know, I just thought, who is this person in the middle of the road? And, um, and you know, uh, if I had been the person, or I rightly would have thought, what a jerk. What a jerk. I'm just slowing down to say hello to this person, and, and they're laying on the horn. Uh, and yet, me, what I'm assuming is uh, they're in the way, right? They're in the way, and they need to move on. Uh, when Why is it that um, when the person was violating the law by uh, sitting there in the middle of the on-ramp, uh, I, didn't, I didn't offer them mercy. I, I didn't offer them mercy, I, I, I didn't think, my first initial thought was not, well, this person may be sick. They might be having a heart attack. Maybe I should help them. Or, or maybe their car is stalled. Maybe it needs to be jumped. I just thought, this person is in my way. Right. Now, um, the other example I use is, you know, the whole thing about speeding, that when someone goes racing by you, you think, look at that nut that's driving so fast. And then a week later, you're the one speeding down the highway, and, and they say, look at the, but you say, but I, I'm in a hurry. I have an excuse. And so that's the irony, and that's the double standard that exists in the world, that on the one hand, uh, the world is not going to cut you any slack whatsoever, but we as individuals cry out for grace, we cry out for understanding, uh, we cry out for mercy, and yet uh, we don't see it in the world. And sometimes we don't even see it in the church. And I've been challenged lately by the life of Randy Travis. You all know who Randy Travis is, right? big-time country music star who really peaked at around 1990. And um, it's, uh, he, after that, he decided to get into some movies. Um, he was in a very good episode of Matlock, if you're interested in that. 
I like Matlock. Um, and then um, he uh, was in some movies, and then he switched to gospel music. Around 1999, he switched to gospel music and um, put out some gospel albums and uh, that were, uh, one of them actually did make it uh, to the top ten of the country charts, uh, Three Wooden Crosses. Uh, but he's more famous for uh, Forever and Ever, Amen, Digging Up Bones. On the other hand, you know, all those good encouraging songs with, in relationships. So. Well, um, 2012 has not been a good year for Randy Travis. And I'm just going to read you uh, the little newspaper clippings of what Randy Travis has been up to uh, since February of this year. On February 6, 2012, Travis was arrested for public intoxication while sitting in his car at a Baptist church in Sanger, Texas. He paid a fine and was placed on a 90-day probation. The 90-day probation period expires September 3, 2012. He's out. On August 7, 2012, police in Grayson County, Texas, responded to a call that a man was lying naked in the road. Police reported that they arrived to find Travis naked and smelling of alcohol. Police say that Travis crashed his car in a construction zone and that when they attempted to apprehend him, Travis threatened the lives of the officers. Travis was subsequently arrested for driving while intoxicated in retaliation against law enforcement officials. He posted bail in the amount of $21,500. Because this incident occurred in a different county, it was not regarded as a violation of the conditions of his probation. Earlier in the same evening, just prior to the DUI arrest, Travis allegedly walked into a Tiger Mart convenience store naked, demanding cigarettes from the cashier, who in turn called the authorities. According to the store clerk, clerk, Travis left the store upon realizing he did not have any money to pay for the cigarettes. (laughs) Travis's troubles continued. As on August 24, 2012, police in Plano, Texas, cited him for simple assault after responding to an early morning call that two men were fighting outside an unnamed church. Both men were reportedly taken to the hospital following the incident, with one witness stating that Travis appeared to be, quote, extremely intoxicated. On August 25, 2012, the next day, a pickup truck registered to Travis was found wrecked and abandoned in a field in Frisco, Texas. He's had a big summer. Um, And, you know, part of me, I I mean, some of it is really funny, right? The the line about, you know, Travis comes in and is belligerent and wants to order cigarettes and then realizes naked that he has no money. He says, I'm sorry, and turns around and walks out. That's pretty funny. Um, But what's what's frightening and what's what's hard is... um, here is a guy who is clearly at the end of his rope. Right? Um, here is a guy who grew up in a house that he said was troubled, and um, he had a lot of uh, problems growing up. He ended his uh, brother ended up doing some time in prison. Um, Travis ended up working at a nightclub as a short order cook, and there uh, met a, a woman. Uh, named um, Lib Hatcher, and uh, Lib Hatcher was at the time married to another man, but they began a relationship, and she ended up leaving uh, her husband and taking out with Randy Travis and uh, served as his manager as well as his uh, romantic partner, and then uh, he hit it big. He hit it big, and she served as his manager uh, 
up until recently. Um, what happened was they married in 1991, and Travis uh, and... Uh, the former Lib Hatcher, uh, divorced in 2010 after 19 years of marriage, but he kept her as the role of his manager. And then she finally filed a lawsuit against Travis, claiming that he made it impossible for her to do her job and terminated her management contract without proper notice. And Travis countersued in May, accusing his ex-wife of divulging confidential information about him to damage his reputation and career. And so uh, when that relationship uh, fell apart, not just uh, as husband and wife, but manager and um, client, uh, which really it seems in this with Randy Travis were one and the same, uh, this is when he went on a real bender uh, and just went crazy. I mean, would anyone else say that this behavior isn't, isn't crazy? And when anybody is ever at the end of their rope, uh, they are going to try to find solace in anything and everything. All right, when, what do you do when the bottom drops out? Well, clearly he had several tools at his disposal. He grew up in a household where this stuff was readily available, and he worked in an environment where this stuff was there. Uh, he gives in his testimony, and uh, I'll just read this. In Christianity Today, in 2009, he said this, he said, you know, from a spiritual perspective, change is a lifelong process. He said, you continue to grow. As you study the Word of God more and more, you find that more is continually revealed to you from the Bible. On top of that, there's the relationship we have with God, with Jesus, and with the Holy Spirit. That relationship is the most important part. And I'm amazed what things we have access to through prayer. As Jesus said, were any two of you are agree as to anything, ask in my name and it will be given to you. The fact that I've seen that work is just an awesome thing. Well, I went back last week and looked at Christianity Today to see if they had any follow-up since this interview in 2009, and they gave sort of the police blotter that I gave you as to what was going on in Travis's life, uh, but with no comment, which for me, honestly, was a little refreshing. I was glad to see that there was no comment, and they just let the thing out there. And so this morning, I want to talk about um, the Randy Travis in all of us, and that there really isn't that much that separates us from Randy Travis, and, that, and also um, what happens when the bottom falls out. What happens when uh, you are at the end of your rope and you have nowhere else to turn and everything in your life that once uh, served as a foundation uh, is gone, uh, what then? And one of the things that I think of when, when I read what Randy Travis has um, said, uh, when I hear uh, what he said in interviews, is that um, when I read the Christianity Today piece, I nodded my head, yes, he's right. Right, that's good, good, solid stuff. And yet, clearly, it wasn't working itself out practically in Randy's life. Right? So when they arrested him lying naked in the middle of the road, he wasn't saying, where any two of you agree as to anything, ask him my name and it will be given to you. Right? He seemed to be a totally different person. But in fact, he was one and the same. But what I think was happening was that what Randy Travis was putting his life in his stock in was his relationship to his wife slash manager, Lib Travis, right? Marriage is a good thing. Um, having a manager, if you're making a lot of money, uh, is a good thing. I think I need a manager. Um, so um, 
I did meet a clergyman once who was talking about how he met with his life coach. And I thought, do you have a life coach? <laughs> He's a retired bishop. Um, he needs one. Um, but there's something to be said about that, too. I mean, Randy Travis goes from the height of fame and all that he has. And, I mean, every he won umpteen awards. And then he gets to a place in his life where it's all gone. It's all gone. It was controversial in a lot of people's minds for him to turn over to gospel music. Uh, and But he did fairly well in, in gospel music. But then all of a sudden, without Lib in his life, uh, everything fell apart. She was the keystone. And when she was pulled out... Everything fell apart. And William Temple had what was called the nightmare test. He was the Archbishop of Canterbury at the outbreak of World War II. And he died only a couple years after taking office, which was a real loss for us. He was a really great man. And he followed um, a really... Did I bring up him last week? I think so. Did I do the nightmare test with you? I teach too many things. They all run together. But um, he followed... You've seen the King's Speech, Cosmo Lang? Yeah, he followed Cosmo Lang, and the King's Speech nailed Cosmo Lang. He was terrible. Um, may he rest in peace. And so uh, William Temple came along, and William, I told you I was a little salty. Uh, William Temple came along, and William Temple once said, uh, think of what it is that if you were to lose it would be your greatest nightmare. Think of what it is that you have, and if you were to lose it, that would be your greatest nightmare. And William Temple says that gives you an idea of what you worship. That gives you an idea of what you worship. And most of us here, now some of it is, you know, if you think about the loss of a spouse or the loss of a child, that would be awful and terrible. That would be a nightmare in and of itself. But the point that he was trying to make is um, even if that's what you're thinking, if you're thinking in terms of human relationships or whatever it might be, if that is the center of your life, even if it's good in and of itself, uh, if that's what is holding your life together, um, that's not a good thing. That's not a good thing because it ultimately is not going to satisfy you. And one day, one day, it will go away. It will go away. Uh, in um, hearing a sermon once on stewardship, I don't know if I'd, I'm glad he preached this on stewardship, but John Yates was talking about money and, uh, and possessions and items and things like that. And, and he said, you know what? Um, it's all going to burn. It's all going to burn. And um, he's right. Now, I think of Terry Fulham, who, uh, who once said, you know, God loves a cheerful giver, but he'll also take from a grouch. Um, <laughs> that's, that's what most of us, how most of us preach stewardship. But... I mean, we never think of it that way. We don't ever think of things in a temporal nature that, that, in fact, one day it is all going to be gone. It's all going to be gone. And even the relationships that we enjoy here on earth, even when we go to heaven, they will be something totally different. They will be even better, and yet they won't be at the center. It'll be perfect relationship, fellowship with God at the center. And so what Randy Travis was doing is he had his eggs in the basket of his relationship with Lib, and when that was gone... He went off the deep end. He went totally off the deep end. And it's easy um, for me uh, to read Randy Travis and just, you know, think, golly, he's crazy. He is flat out. Now, there were a couple, like I said, there were some comic issues when he went, he was arrested naked. But for some reason, when 
his, he, they took his mugshot between the arrest and the mugshot. He managed to procure the orange jumpsuit, which made sense. But he was also wearing a Texas Longhorns hat. Where did that come from? But he needed to get ahead of the deal. And, uh, you know, looking at it, I just thought this is, um, this is really something. But then I thought, and I wrote this down, and this might be a little bit shocking, um, that I think that there are times in people's lives where when the bottom falls out, if driving drunk without any clothes on was an option on the table, they might take it. All right. That actually it's not uh, too far a cry from what we all experience in different ways. Back in Beaufort, there is a website called mugshots.com. I don't know if there's an equivalent here in Birmingham. I don't want to know. I don't want to know. And what you can do is every day you can get on that website for free and you can see who was arrested in Beaufort County and for what. It gives your address and all that. And, of course, this was a heavily trafficked website in Beaufort because everybody got on to see what? Who they knew. Who they knew. And nine times out of ten, what do you think the arrests were for for the people that, that, that we knew? DUI. Right. DUI. And it would always say, you know, it, would, it was always a terrible picture, and it would say DUI first and um, released on own recognizance. And then uh, I've only seen it a couple times. And, um, and, and then everybody would talk about it. Did you see, did you see Bill Smith? He was, you know, on mugshots. And, um, and then uh, someone tells you that, and you think that you were at the same party that he was. And that, in fact, probably the only difference between you and Bill Smith was that he got caught that he got caught. But apparently the catching is, uh, is what seals the deal. And so here we have uh, Randy Travis, who was obviously going overboard and doing some pretty amazing things uh, and going out and doing all of this stuff and arrested February 6th, arrested August 7th, arrested August 24th, and then finding his pickup truck wrecked and abandoned in a field in Frisco, Texas on August 25th. Uh, and yet, if you listen closely... In two of those, on the February 6th instance and on the, in the August 24th instance, where was he found drunk and intoxicated? Church. At a church. At a church. Now, I actually <laughs> called this week. I called, the, uh, the Bap Baptist, I called every Baptist church I could find in Sanger, which took all day long. <laughs> uh, Sanger, Texas. You know, it's like First Baptist Church of the Frontage Road, you know, whatever. And, but I called around, and um, I knew that it was the right church when they said, uh, I'm sorry, we, we're not talking about that. Uh, because at first they kind of gave me the runaround. Uh, and I said, look, all I want to know is, what was he doing there? What was he doing there? And, uh, and they said, I'm really sorry, because I'm sure I was the thousand person to call and I said I'm not a reporter I'm a minister in Birmingham Alabama and I'm really interested in what's happening what was he doing there and uh, and the person finally said he's just looking for help he's just looking so even in his drunkenness even in when he's at his worst uh, where is he going he's going to church he's showing up at church now when he shows up there um, he um, was just sitting in his car at a Baptist church in Sanger, Texas. So he was just sitting there when that happened. And uh, knowing what we know now, we know what's running through his mind. 
And then in the other one, he finally got out of the car in um, Plano, and it was an unnamed church, and so I wasn't going to go there. I was kind of hoping it was Christchurch Plano, but it wasn't. And, um, and that the two men were fighting outside an unnamed church. And it struck me uh, that this lady who answered the phone and sang her Texas is right, he was just looking for help. And I wonder what the Christian response to Randy Travis is. I think that there are a couple. Uh, One is, um, you know, Randy Travis um, is a backslider, right? That that he was, uh, you know, I think that his conversion to Christianity was real. I believe what he said in 2009, but it's clear that he's let go of that in the past uh, year. That's one option. Uh, The second option is that, uh, you know, it just shows that Randy Travis was never a Christian after all. He just, you know, it was, maybe he was doing it to sell records. Maybe he was just doing it uh, as a sort of a therapeutic exercise uh, to get his life back on track because it was clear there were demons uh, lying at bay uh, looking for an opportunity to to pounce on him. Uh, Or uh, there's the third option, which is uh, Randy Travis is a real Christian uh, who lives in the real world, who has real issues and um, has acted out on them in such a way that many of us probably never have, but many of us may not have experienced the bottom falling out as Randy Travis has. And, um, and he has acted out on them in such a way as we couldn't imagine that part either, um, except uh, his weaknesses might be easier to exploit and harder to hide than ours are. I went to seminary with a guy who had addictive tendencies, and he would, um, uh, he would tell us, he said, you know, you need to know I'm a recovering alcoholic. And I'd been around folks like that, but I never really understood the power of addiction in somebody's life until I met him. And um, so what would happen is for a week, he would go to the same sandwich shop and eat the same sandwich every lunchtime. And then he went through a phase for about four weeks where every day he'd eat two to three crumpets. And then uh, he would go through some other phase. And one of our fellow students said, Andrew, aren't you worried about him? Don't you think he's kind of crazy? And at that point, I had learned. I said, you know, yes, I worry about him. But where I would really worry about him if, is when it looked like he wasn't addicted to anything. When he wasn't going to the sandwich shop. When he wasn't eating the crumpets. Because then it would be in private. Then it would be in private. And uh, all of us in life uh, live on the front stage, uh, but eventually the stuff on the backstage creeps out. Right? And we do our darndest to try to hide it. Uh, but in this case, um, with Randy Travis, uh, there is no front stage backstage. His backstage is, is the front stage. And clearly, I, I think it's the, the third option. And I wonder what would happen if Randy Travis showed up uh, naked and intoxicated in my study. Um, you know, that, that sounds a little bit like something that Jesus encountered once in John chapter 8. Remember, there was a woman who was caught in the act of adultery, right? Which means she was pulled from where? The bed. She was pulled from the bed, um, which means she appeared to Jesus. I mean, maybe she had time to grab a bed sheet, right? And, um, you know, I wonder what my response would be to Randy Travis in that situation. 
But the verse that um, kept coming to mind when I was reading through all of this stuff was this from Isaiah 42, 3, which uh, I included in our prayer. A bruised reed he will not break, and a faintly burning wick he will not quench. Here's Randy Travis, broken, battered. You can get on and you can see the mugshot. He looks terrible uh, in all of his mugshots because he's either inflicted harm on himself or he's... um, been beat up by some other guy at the Baptist church. Um, I think that's the difference. Baptists will fight you. Episcopalians will be like, we're out of here. You know, we're going to run. I think that might be the difference. Um, You know, you got, I mean, there are deacons out there that have been itching for a fight for years and here's their chance. But, um, but here's a guy who clearly is a bruised reed and a faintly burning wick. And God's response to him is, uh, You know, Randy Travis, you have looked to the hills, and where will your help come from? Right? From God. That's where Randy Travis's help is going to come from. And not just his help, but his rescue. Uh, Randy Travis, I think, uh, is seeking out uh, help, uh, knowing that at the end of his rope is God's office. That is where God's office is almost always to be found uh, when we are at the end of ourselves. Now, some of us have what's called a high bottom. You know what I mean? Uh, that for some of us, like it doesn't take much for us to bottom out. You know, if you, um, for some, it might simply be, um, well, a very, let's go back to the car. Like for me, when, um, when the guy emailed me and said, Andrew, if, if the Advent sticker had been on my car, would you have honked so loudly and forcefully? Um, I didn't honk for about a week. Um, you know, that's, that's kind of a high bot. Like it, it had some, but, but really I clearly hadn't hit bottom. Why? Because a week later I'm, I'm back at it. I'm back at it. What I, but what I'm talking about is what happens in your life to actually bring you to rock bottom where, um, you realize that you are totally undone. And, you know, I, I, um, I see this sometimes in, and this is writ large in Randy Travis's life, that oftentimes uh, married couples will come to me and say, we're struggling in our marriage. And, um, and even there in the midst of my study, they will be yelling at one another. And there is a part of me that actually finds hope in that because I think they still care. They still care. Where I start to worry is if one of the parties sits back and they say, Whatever. Whatever. When apathy sets in, uh, that's uh, when I get worried and when all of us should get worried because it means that the person has uh, totally given up. But here we see that Randy Travis hasn't. Right? If anything, uh, apathy is not a word that I would use to describe Randy Travis in these situations. He's pretty passionate. Right? He's pretty passionate. He's angry. Uh, he's lashing out. And yet... Uh, he's a bruised reed and a faintly burning wick. And God's promise to him is, Randy, I'm not going to break you and I'm not going to quench you, but I'm going to rescue you. Now, I don't know um, all the ins and outs and intimate details of where Randy Travis is uh, in his walk with the Lord, uh, but I hope that what he sees is that he needs to simply surrender. And I think he's at that place. I just want somebody to help me. Help me. 
Not, hey, do you have a book that you could recommend uh, on, on how to uh, not assault police officers uh, on a Saturday night in Frisco, Texas? Uh, or, uh, you know, I, I don't need, um, I, I just need somebody to help me. I need somebody to save me for myself. That's my favorite. When I was in Las Vegas once, there was a, uh, as you're heading uh, from the strip downtown, it might have been Binion's or someplace like that. I've only been once. Uh, Binion's or someplace, or the Nugget, one of those. And on it, you can pay to have things put up there. And it said, um, save me from myself. Save me from myself. Of course, it made me think of, you know, what type of person uh, would put that up there. Someone who had hit rock bottom in Vegas and uh, wanted to save other people, uh, but said, I need to be saved from myself. I don't necessarily need to be saved uh, from alcoholism, though I do. Uh, I don't need to be saved from uh, violence, although I, I do. I don't necessarily need to be saved uh, in my relationship to Lib, although I do, because ultimately the common denominator in all of those things, and at their very root, is me, Randy Travis, uh, who is broken and is just barely, barely has a wick going. And, um, and that's where I pray that he meets God and knowing that God, whose property is always to have mercy, uh, will meet him there uh, in his place uh, where he has been crushed and, um, and that he would be rescued. And so I hope that when we get on the mugshots.com or whether you're on the on-ramp to 280, um, that we would um, have a little time of, of self-examination and like John Hooper uh, say, say there, but for the grace of God, uh, Go I. Not in a triumphant sense, but you realize that the only thing standing between you and a Texas highway on a Saturday night uh, is God's grace. Is God's grace. And I think that those of us who are believers, if we were to look back on our lives and reflect on that, uh, we would see where God's hand has stayed us. Where God's hand has operated and, and overridden our wills and actually thwarted what our heart desired. And at the time, it might have been very hard to accept that, but now looking back, you say, uh, praise God um, that, uh, that you um, have rescued me, uh, a bruised reed and a burnly, faintly burning wick. Okay, a couple of minutes for questions, comments, concerns. Thank you, David Tanner. It's good to have you back. Last week was rough. <laughs> we needed a bouncer. Andrew, would it be a appropriate that you just lead us in a short prayer for Randy Travis? Yes. Absolutely. Uh, Lord, uh, life in the spotlight is hard and um, so many crave it and yet uh, when you're in the spotlight uh, you see everything and so uh, Lord we just pray for Randy Travis that all that is being heaped on him uh, both by himself and, and by the world Lord, that he would be rescued from that, that he would be set to rights, uh, that he would put his whole faith and trust in you, and that he might know the presence of your Holy Spirit, and that he uh, might uh, know uh, and cry out, let the redeemed of the Lord say so, uh, and look to you uh, for rescue from our rock and our Redeemer, Jesus Christ, in whose name we pray. Amen.